From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland comes the Dr. Nina Show with a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying their hidden triggers and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. Dr. Nina inspires us to enjoy the full spectrum of human experience we all deserve to live. Hi there, welcome to the Dr. Nina Show. I am here to help you outsmart emotional eating. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland. I am a psychoanalyst specializing in eating disorders, and I'm going to help you break free from binge eating, body shame, and diets that don't work. I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. And the first step to creating a binge-free, happy life is not focusing on food, not looking at what you're eating, but looking at why and finding new ways of being with that. It is not what you are eating that is the problem. It is what's eating at you. So I'm here to help you identify that and process that and help you achieve that binge-free, happy life. I'm here for you every step of the way. So today we're going to talk about How do you feel your feelings? I can't tell you how many people have said, oh my gosh, I know I've got to feel my feelings. I just need to sit in them. Well, no, you can't sit your way out of feelings any more than you can stuff them down. So here's the thing. Look, we all have emotions, some pleasant, some unpleasant, some in between. Emotions are just reactions to situations. Uh, when, when we don't acknowledge our feelings, when we push them away, they can become overwhelming and lead to unhealthy behaviors such as binge eating. Binge eating is a coping strategy. It is just a very difficult poke, uh, coping strategy, right? It's a, a way you're trying to help yourself, but you're also hurting yourself. You're helping yourself because it, it comforts you. It distracts you. It numbs you. It does a lot of things, but of course it also hurts your body, hurts your sense of self and hurts your self-esteem. I am Sam. I seem to be frozen. Am I frozen? Okay. No. All right. So for those of you who are on Instagram, um, uh, I am live streaming. I am live streaming my radio show, which is on LA Talk Radio. So I'm also looking at my feed. So that's why I thought I froze. But Sam is telling me we're all good. So never mind. All right. So when we don't acknowledge our feelings, or we try to push them away, stuff them down. Right? That's not a good thing. We've got to be able to identify and express our feelings in a new way, and we can't sit through them. So we have to learn to recognize and process. Processing emotions is, is a way to create a healthy, happy relationship with food and yourself. So the first step in managing your emotions sounds really obvious, but it's not. It's identifying and recognizing what it is you are feeling. And this could be really difficult if you kind of suppress your feelings, if you try to sweep them under the rug or let them down, or, you know, let them go, ignore them. You can't let feelings go. You can't ignore them. You can't sweep them under a rug. You can't positive think them away and you can't stuff them down. So what do you do? So first of all, Psychologists have identified six basic human emotions, anger, fear, 
sadness, joy, surprise, and disgust. So all emotions can be distilled down to one of those on the list. For example, shame is associated with disgust. Shame is, is in a sense, self-disgust. Frustration is a form of anger. Anxiety is a form of fear. So as you can see, uh, identifying which of those, and if, if, if remembering six is too hard, just think of these four, mad, sad, glad, or afraid. If you start to feel something yucky, because that's often how we identify our feelings, like, oh, I feel yucky, or I feel fat, or I feel gross, or like none of which are emotions. Those are states of mind that are getting expressed like as, as in your, it's in your body. But ask yourself, am I mad? Am I sad? Am I afraid? Am I happy? Am I, am I, am I anxious? Am I worried? Mad, sad, glad, and afraid. Which of those really, really resonates with you? So that's the first step. Now, what if you can't, you know, what, what if you can't relate that to food? Because often we think we're triggered by food, right? And we, we think we're triggered by ice cream or chocolate or anything with a carb. And so it's like, no, I'm not emotionally eating. I'm just triggered by food, say a lot of people. Okay. So that's why I developed my food mood formula, because we are not triggered by food. We are triggered by a situation that we can't see or something we possibly don't want to look look at, something we don't want to know we know, a thought we don't want to think, a feeling we don't want to feel. And so if you binge as a coping strategy, you often have no idea what you're feeling. You, you just think that it's all about the, the thing you need to eat and you get laser focused on that. And then it becomes a willpower. I will not give in. I will not give in. Or it's let me plan my binges for the rest of the day, or let me plan what I'm going to eat, but I'm only going to have three of those things. Okay, no, I'm going to have six. And now I've had 12. Now I might as well have the whole box and the other stuff. And you see where that goes. You think you're being triggered by food. No, something made you reach for that box of whatever, or look in the fridge or order from DoorDash in the first place. So if you can't identify what it is that you're feeling, if you have no idea which of those four or six feelings resonate with you, and if you truly think you're not feeling anything, nothing's bothering you. I hear this a lot too. No, nothing was bothering me. I was fine. I'm just addicted to whatever. I'm addicted to chunky monkey. No, something triggered you that's out of your awareness. You're feeling something that you might be suppressing in your unconscious mind. Um, and that is then where my food mood formula comes in. How do you access your unconscious if it's out of your awareness? So when I first began working with eating disorder patients, this is what I discovered, that their so-called trigger foods had everything to do with their hidden emotions. And that that their food choices had everything to do with the emotions they could not recognize or even definitely not feel. Okay, Sheila's saying, uh, triggered by triggered by my affirmation station it, it is triggered by fear and sadness. Okay, it's good that you know that. And Sheila says, shame and disgust are what she often feels. 
um, and feeling evil is is not evil is not a feeling. Feeling evil is an accusation. It's a thought about yourself that often comes from childhood when you feel bad and kids that feel bad think that there is something bad with them and that then they become the bad ones or the, the evil ones, if, if you will. Um, Marty's saying the food mood formula has helped you so much. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, yes. Okay. So I'm, so Marty and anyone who already knows the food mood formula, bear with me or it doesn't hurt to hear it again. And then I'm going to get to actual strategies for how to process your feelings once you know what they are. Okay, so back to when I was a brand new therapist working with eating disorder patients, began to realize that that their triggers had everything to do with their hidden emotions. Emotions they could not even get access to. So in my in my clinical work as a psychoanalyst, I discovered we are drawn to three categories of food when we're upset. Creamy, filling, and crunchy. When we crave ice cream or something creamy like that, it is an ice cream we really want. It's comfort. Ice cream or anything smooth and creamy is associated with comfort. And the key to change is finding new ways to comfort ourselves that don't involve eating. I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. The second category is filling. Those are foods that take up space within. So think, you know, bread, burgers, cake, pasta, pizza, anything that 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 is bulky, foods that take up space within us. And they are related to feelings of emptiness or loneliness because those foods symbolically fill a void. So Instead, it's important to look at the holes in your life. This is hard to do. It is a lot easier to focus on cake and not eating it than it is to look at the holes in your life. What is missing within you? But you have to do it and you can do it and you can find new ways to fill them. And then you feel better and binge eating stops being a thing. It becomes something you used to do, not being in recovery, because in recovery kind of suggests, oh, I'm always going to have to deal with this. No, 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 no. You're not always going to have to deal with this. It's something you're dealing with now. When you find a new way of responding to yourself, you're going to change your relationship with food, and then food is going to be more enjoyable and delicious. And you're going to have a healthy, happy relationship with food from there on out. That's why I believe in liberation, not recovery. Okay. So the last of the three categories is is textures. So anything that makes us bite down hard is associated with forms of anger. So frustration, annoyance, irritation, mad, enraged. So instead, the key is to express anger in a healthy way with words. Words. A lot of people think um, of action when they think of anger. You know, I, uh, I don't want to be an angry person and throw things or yell at people. No, that is the expression of anger. That's the behavior around anger that some people have. And maybe you have it too. But there are other ways to learn how to express it. Um, my affirmation station is saying, I got to rescue Bijan and the soft blanket to snuggle with when I'm sad. 
Oh, my husband is an influence over my binge eating. Mm, okay, that is an issue. Well, hey, listen, um, I would like to invite you, if you're not there already, to join my Facebook community, Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community. Let's talk there. Let's connect there. And let's see if we can help you um, through that. Okay. Now, what about chocolate? That's the question, right? Or what about chocolate or sweet things? So chocolate, most of us only like either, you know, milk chocolate. Some of us, actually, I say most of us, like I'm everybody because I like milk chocolate. <laughs> some of us, <laughs> some of us only like milk chocolate or chocolate with creamy centers and others will not eat chocolate if it doesn't have nuts. And plain dark chocolate usually has a little bit of a crunch, right? It's crunchy. So that's why chocolate is either creamy, associated with comfort, or crunchy, associated with forms of anger. And also think about whether it is chocolate or sweets that aren't chocolatey. Maybe you need more sweetness in your life, not the kind that comes from sugar, but the sweetness of connection, fulfillment, love, all the things that make life so sweet. Maybe you're missing some of that. So this formula, this is what I call my food mood formula. And by the way, keep in mind that enjoying some chips with your sandwich is not the same as eating a family-sized bag of Doritos and hating yourself with every bite. The food mood formula only applies to those situations where you feel a pull toward food to change the way you emotionally feel or to get you away from some, some kind of state that is unpleasant. But when you cultivate new strategies to express those emotions, you stop eating food to cope. Okay, so once we've identified our emotions, it's important to learn how to express them rather than suppress them. Trying to ignore or push away unpleasant feelings, you know what that does? It amplifies them. It makes them worse. We can't ignore our feelings. We can't get rid of our feelings by, as I was saying before, dropping them, positive thinking them away, dismissing them, minimizing them. And we definitely can't stuff them down. Yet, um, uh, many of us do not know how to feel our feelings. That's because our culture absolutely discourages emotionality. We get the message that we are strong if we can fight our feelings and we are weak if we actually get in touch with them and express them or feel them. So so feelings are seen as problematic. Um, for If we're angry, we're told to enroll in anger management class. If we're scared, we're supposed to fight and not give in to fear. When we're sad, we are given antidepressants and you know what? There's a pill for anxiety, too. Just to be clear, many people do benefit from medication. This is not me being against medication. For people who can benefit from medication, that's great. But I am talking about prohibitions against our basic human emotions. And those are the emotions that connect us to ourselves and to each other. And so with all of these injunctions against emotion, you know, it's no wonder so many of us, you know, don't know how to comfort ourselves or be with ourselves or respond to ourselves or, you know, anything that would be helpful to help us work through and process what's going on. 
And of course, it's no wonder so many of us turn to food as a way of coping. Um, But the good news is, yes, I have good news that when you learn new ways of coping by expressing your feelings and responding to yourself, you stop using food for the purpose of comforting, distracting, or numbing, or all the other things, symbolically filling, or expressing anger, turning painful emotions into physical pain when you eat so much that you're in physical pain and you're just going, what's wrong with me? Why am I eating? I'm, why am I eating this? I'm in physical pain and I can't stop. Well, be curious because there is a reason. If you are turning to food, you are turning away from something else. Um, I, oh, uh, my affirmation station, I can't post it. Uh, I'll try to post it when I'm done, but if you go to my, if, if you go, if, since you're on Instagram, just go to my profile and there's a, a link tree link and it has all the links, including my free binge buster roadmap that I just released this year. Um, and a link to join the Facebook community and you'll just get really plugged in. Okay. And if you have any trouble, DM me and I will help you out. And that goes to anyone else who is listening out there in LA Talk Radio or on Instagram. Okay, so again, a lot of us know we have to learn to express our feelings, but you don't have a clue how to do that. In fact, recently um, someone asked me, so so what do I do with these feelings? Just sit in them? Uh, question, at times I eat crunchy and comfort foods at once. Yes, that's very, yes. Does that mean I am experiencing mixed emotions? Yes. So often people will say like, I can't eat ice cream if it doesn't have nuts in it. Gotta eat the ice. So what's the major part of the food is the ice cream. So that is a, a major need for comfort with a little bit of some kind of frustration or annoyance in there. So that's why being really curious and saying, okay, you know, what's going on with me? What is the food that I am eating telling me about the, the, the needs, the feelings, the experience that I am cut off from? The food mood formula helps you identify what's going on with you that you're pushing into your hidden unconscious mind. So that is a great, great question. Yes, those are mixed emotions. And often it is mixed emotions. And then and that people will also say, well, I have everything in the kitchen. I, I eat everything. Like first I go through all the crunchy things. Then I go through all the whatever. Look at, I go through everything that's in the kitchen. doesn't matter what it is. Um, just look at, uh, just Trust the formula. Marty's here saying she was surprised how accurate it, it is. It really works. It really works. Just stay curious and look at the first thing you choose to eat. Right? And even if you say, well, it's just there. Like, it's just, I'm just choosing what was there. Well, there's probably more than one thing available in your kitchen or on DoorDash that you could choose to eat. So just trust the formula even if it doesn't seem accurate when you start delving in and you start being curious instead of critical, you're going to find the answers to what's going on inside, which is a great thing. Okay. So this client asked me, so what do I do? You know, just sit in them. And as you can already tell by being with me thus far, 
No, we definitely cannot sit our way through feelings and you can't sit our way. You can't sit out uncomfortable feelings any more than you can, you know, drop them. Right. So, um, having a strategy to address your feelings and how to process your feelings is really important. So I'm going to give you my template. I call it the emotional expression template. And it is a step, three-step formula that helps you figure out what it is that you're feeling and then what to do about it. So first, you identify your emotions using the food mood formula. And you pay attention to also pay attention to the the, the physical reactions to situations because sometimes we're, we're so detached from our bodies that we almost don't even know when we're having physiological uh, reactions to things. So I, I'll get to that a little bit more later because that is important um, if I have time. But pay attention to what's your physiology doing? Like, is your heart starting to go faster? Are you, you know, are you angry? Are you anxious? Do you feel tearful? Are you um, crying because you're sad? Or are you crying tears of frustration? Just really dig in and look at what's going on with me. Use the food mood formula. Then second, second part of the emotional expression template is express yourself with word and tone. I like to write down what I'm feeling and why, because I feel as if writing is just more powerful, but whether you're writing it down or you're talking to somebody or you're just thinking it, um, you want to describe the situation and how it made you feel. Also, um, talking to a friend, sharing in a group can be really helpful because not only are you expressing what is going on, you're being heard, and that's very powerful. Sometimes people don't like journaling because they're just journaling in themselves. I like to think of it as like first get the get it out of you and onto a page. And then you know, talk to other people if you can, people who are going to give you the good the right responses. Okay. Um, because often people will use toxic positivity thinking they're being helpful. They'll say things like, it could be worse. It's going to be okay. It, at, at least you, at, you know, at, at least you're here to tell about it. You know, some version of you should be grateful for this or that. Like they're trying to help, but they're actually dismissing you. I'll, I'll think about that a little bit. Think about whether I have time to share that. Um, I've done previous uh, radio shows on toxic positivity because it's pervasive in our culture and we need to change it. If it hurts and you tell yourself it's not hurting, that's not going to make you not be in pain. And then you're just going to feel bad about the fact that you can't drop it. You can't positive think it away. You still feel upset even though you're grateful. What's wrong with you? Now you feel bad and you feel bad about feeling bad. This has to stop. It just does. We have to stop dismissing ourselves um, by weaponizing you know, positivity or, or gratitude. There is a time for gratitude, but that comes later. Okay. So the third part is to validate and acknowledge your experience. So first you identify with the food mood formula. Then you express yourself with words and tone. Um, and I'm going to 
talk more about all of this and what I mean by tone a little bit. And then you're going to respond to yourself by validating and acknowledging and reassuring yourself. And it's important to get all of this out without apology or guilt, because we're often told, again, to look on the bright side, to be grateful, or it could have been worse. These comments are not helpful. Again, they are dismissive. And then you feel bad about feeling bad. No, you want to be able to validate it. So and and at first, and then you can be encouraging about the future. Okay, so I want to. Th- this is all kind of food for thought, right? It's it, it's sort of theoretical sounding. I mean, there are things to do, but I want to give you an example because I think examples are really helpful. I use examples in my books. Um, and people always find that a lot more relatable. So I think that uh, you will probably find Jasmine's story relatable too. Jasmine, like everyone I talk about on this program and in my books, not her real name, but we're going to call her Jasmine. Okay. So as you know, you, you the only way to get rid of feelings is to feel them. But a lot of us use logic to avoid our emotions. So keep in mind, when it comes to the human experience, it's not logical, it's psychological. So Jasmine's situation is is a great example. So Jasmine is single. She has all these great friends and a horrible boss. She's a horrible boss. If you ever saw The Devil Wears Prada, Meryl Streep's character in The Devil Wears Prada, which is like the, the boss from hell, pretty much through all the movie. She was was scornful, insulting, dismissive. She was unreasonable. She was terrible. Okay. She was an angel compared to Jasmine's boss. I mean, Jasmine's boss was just belittling, mean, dismissive. He would yell at her. Oh, horrible. So nothing Jasmine ever did was good enough. So one day, Jasmine comes in for her session and she she confesses, which is how she put it. She's like, I have a confession to make, Dr. Nina. Her confession was that she had binged all week and she was very upset with herself. Her, she said she was disgusted by her weight. She felt like a failure. She said she couldn't do anything right. And given what Jasmine had shared with me about the things that her boss said to her, I thought she was talking to herself a lot like the way her boss spoke to her. She was insulting. She was mean, just like the boss. And I I suggested that Jasmine was taking the anger she felt toward her boss and turning it on herself, getting mad at herself for what she weighed and what she ate. And, you know, that really resonated with her. She was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense, right? makes sense. Intellectual, right? And then she said, all right, okay, so it makes sense, but so what? Like, how is that supposed to help me? So she's going into her head, how is that supposed to help me, which is a legitimate question, as a way of staying out of her feeling. That is what we call an intellectual defense. And it's a way of avoiding emotions by getting very logical. So I explained to Jasmine that the way we talk to ourselves affects the way we feel. The way we feel affects the way we eat. So if you talk to yourself the way your boss talks to you, you're going to feel terrible. 
you're going to feel upset and sad and worthless. And it's going to affect your self-esteem. And you're going to feel so miserable and horrible that you're going to go escape yourself, abandon yourself, and go to food to cope. If you're self-critical, that's setting yourself up for a binge. You're going to use food for comfort or distraction, which leads to more self-judgment, more criticism, and the cycle goes on. So to stop the cycle, you have to change the way you relate to yourself and to your feelings. So in Jasmine's situation, it was important for her to express her feelings about her boss so she wouldn't direct them at herself, right? Makes sense, right? Sometimes logic is good. Makes sense. Okay. So that does not mean telling her boss directly how she felt. That would get her fired. Instead, she had to express her frustration and disappointment and anger. She was mad at being spoken to this way and and just feeling not good enough. The feelings for her that went along with shame and guilt and all of that. She had to express that so she didn't turn them against herself for eating. Because when we express our emotions, we feel better. When we feel better, you don't need to cope with food because you don't need to cope. Now, this this did not resonate with, with Jasmine. She asked, well, what's the point of talking about my feelings? Like, why would I, why would I do that? It won't change anything. A boss is still going to be a terrible boss. And in one sense, she was absolutely right. Her horrible boss was never going to change. Never, ever. But like Jasmine, you know, we all have encountered people and situations that we can't change. But we don't express our feelings to change the situation. We express our feelings so we change the way we experience that situation. Okay, grim example, but it's really the best one I have. So most of us have experienced some kind of loss, the death of someone you know or love, a person, a pet, lost something in your life, most likely. But when a loved one dies, we don't say, well, they're gone. There's nothing I can do about it. What's the point of crying? Right? Of course not. We don't do that. We we attend a wake or, or sit shiva or mourn in some other way because there are rituals to help us grieve the person that we have lost. Rituals to help us go through the emotions of grief and come out the other side. It's not to bring the person back to life. It's to change the way we feel about the loss. Because when we when we cry, for example, we feel a terrible loss and emptiness. You know, we feel grief. And then when we felt all the feelings that are in there, we eventually feel a little better. The person we lost lives on in our memory and in our thoughts, but the intensity of that pain diminishes with time. The situation hasn't changed, but it also doesn't hurt as much. And the same principle applies to all emotions. So by processing our emotions, the intensity of them diminishes. So Jasmine said, because she had an answer for everything, <laughs> Jasmine says, well, you know, the way the economy is, like we're heading for a recession. Some people can't get a job at all. Like a lot of people would be thrilled to be in my position, just have a job. 
You know, I have no right to complain about my boss because I've got a job and many people don't have a job. Okay, so what was she doing? She was trying to minimize her feelings by comparing her situation to other people who have it worse. But think about this. If you break your arm snowboarding and your best friend breaks a leg, does that make your broken arm less painful? No, your arm still hurts a lot. I have broken my arm. I know it hurts. Okay. If your house is flooded and you need to redo all the flooring and your neighbor's house goes up in flames and burns to the ground, guess what? You still have a right to be upset about your situation. You don't say, well, at least I have a house to remodel. You you say, well, yeah, I still have to deal with the flooding and the flooring and the this and that. I'm happy it didn't burn down, but it still is affecting me. Right. That's you have to validate and acknowledge what you're going through. If you if you want to lose 50 pounds and your friend needs to lose 150 pounds, you get to feel upset about your weight, even though your friend has more to lose. Uh, My affirmation station is saying, how do you change shame? It's an intense feeling of inauthenticity for me. Shame is learned just briefly the the. The difference between guilt and shame is guilt is, and I talk about, by the way, I talk about all of this in my book. I do a deep dive in my book. So shame, shameless self-promotion. I really suggest you get my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It's available on all, on in every format on Amazon, including me reading it to you. So paperback, hardcover, Kindle, and audiobook. I go into a deep dive in all of, all of these things that I'm talking about. Um, guilt is I feel guilty about something I did. I shouldn't have done that. Shame is I feel guilty. I feel I, shame about myself. I feel guilt is I feel bad that I did that. Shame is I feel bad about myself. I feel bad about myself. So to change the way you feel in the present, you really have to look at how you came to feel this shame to begin with. So none of us are born feeling acute shame. We have a little bit of shame. Like sometimes we have a little bit of shame, but when we have too much shame it, it, that is not situational, but it, like we might feel shame if we uh, do something stupid, but we feel shame about it. We feel bad about it. And then we move on. But when you have a pervasive sense of shame, this is learned and nobody is going, no, Nobody is born feeling that sense of shame. So, so super quickly again, um, why are we trying to get comfort from food? Because, because our very first experience of comfort and connection, and by the way, nice to see you, Josh, it's been a while. Um, Our very first experience of connection and relationship and, um, and, and, and comfort is when we are infants being fed. So if you look at a baby, they're held in a parent's arms lovingly. They're secure. They're sort of blissfully held. They maybe have eyes looking down at them, beaming at them. And that experience of bonding is associated with the experience of being fed. And so that in our unconscious mind means food equals not just comfort, 
but relationship. When we talk about comfort food, we're not just talking about wanting comfort. We're talking about wanting to be comforted. So, okay, shame. Kids who experience bad feelings in childhood because current issues go back in time. There are there are kids feel bad for a, num- a number of different reasons. There's big T trauma, big events, horrific thing that happened, or small little things like misattunements or people not listening to you or responding to you that are called little T trauma. Um, it's the difference is big T trauma because a lot of people say I wasn't traumatized. I was fine. My childhood was fine. Yeah, they didn't have any big T terrible traumas. They didn't have like a butcher knife to the to the heart. But they might have had a thousand small cuts, which hurt just as much. When kids feel bad, they often feel bad about themselves. Why? Because kids are egocentric. The world revolves around them when they're little. They don't have the wherewithal to say, "Mm, you know, my mom is trying her best. She doesn't mean to dismiss my feelings. But nevertheless, I feel really discounted and bad. And now I don't know what to do. Kids say, oh, I feel bad. It must be me. What's wrong with me? I've brought this upon myself. And why do they think that also? Bring some hope. I can just figure out what's wrong with me and change what's wrong with me. Then I'm going to get the good treatment. So this is an illusion of hope that becomes a, a strategy to change your circumstances that just ends up being a conviction about your, there's something amorphously wrong with you. That's shame. That's one way that shame happens. So, okay. So Jasmine. So back to Jasmine, you know, what's the point of feeling these feelings? So look, we can all be thankful. We are not living in war-torn Ukraine or in Africa dealing with an AIDS epidemic with other dire conditions. There are places all over the world, India, just chronic poverty, flooding, everything. We are so lucky If we're not there, then we're not there. What's happening in those parts of the world is tragic. But those situations do not take away our right to be upset with the problems and issues that affect our lives. If something is affecting you, it needs your attention, not your condemnation or your dismissal. So, okay, so Jasmine had a hard time being angry with her boss. But guess what? She had no problem turning those angry feelings on herself. So binging, binging did two things for her. First of all, it was her way of avoiding anger. It it just distracted her from her anger towards her boss or towards her life circumstance. And also it gave her a reason to direct that anger inwards. So instead of saying, my boss is out of control and he is a misogynist and a total jerk. And I am so upset at the way that I am being treated. Instead of saying that, she said, see how, see how out of control I am with food. Instead of my boss is so controlling and so out of control with his abuse. It's, Oh, I'm the one who doesn't have control. See how out of control I am with food. So if you dismiss and, and, and minimize your emotions, guess what? They don't go away. They often get redirected towards yourself. I call it the boomerang effect. Like, I'm so mad at that person. No, no, no. I'm actually mad at myself for eating bagels, whatever. Right. So they, they get, they got boomerang back towards you. 
and that cycle continues. We want to break the cycle. So you might be wondering why Jasmine had such a hard time being upset with such a horrible boss and why she stayed in a job with a horrible boss. So as is often the case, the answer to a problem in the present can be found in the past. Jasmine's parents, when she was growing up, they worked long hours. They had their own business, storefront thing. Um, And so she spent most of her afternoons with her grandfather, who was a rageaholic. This is very important. He didn't get frustrated or annoyed or a little upset. Oh, no. He got furious. He expressed himself by yelling, finger pointing, name calling, sarcasm, and yes, throwing things. So Jasmine equated anger with being out of control and scary. So on some level, she was afraid that if she got angry, she would be just as bad, just as threatening and awful as her grandfather and her boss. So her parents never really showed much emotion. They they were always away working. She didn't really spend that much time with them. So she had no model for expressing anger in an appropriate way. And when we explored how her experiences with her grandfather had influenced her ability to to express these feelings, Jasmine gave yet another intellectual response. She said, she said this, she's like, well, I guess I can see how a person would have resentment towards a grandfather like that. Yeah, I I could see how a person would be affected by that. Notice how she said how a person would have resentment towards a grandfather, a grandfather like that, instead of talking about how she felt having a close relative whose anger terrified her. So she was eventually able to express how she felt about her grandfather as well as her boss. She got mad. She got outraged. She got incensed. She... She let loose with some very creative swear words. She got out all her anger. It just came out in words. And when she did that, she stopped being hard on herself. And you know what? She stopped binging. Um, And by the way, when I say with affect, remember before how I said that you have to express your feelings with words and tone? Well, there is a big difference between saying, I'm really upset with my boss. Yes, I'm very angry with my boss. And I'm very angry that my grandfather was so awful to me when I was a kid. You know, that's like thinking your anger away. We can't think our anger away. We've got to feel it. Emotions are called feelings because to get rid of them, we have to feel them in our bodies. So instead of, yes, you know, I am definitely upset, saying, yeah, I am definitely upset. I am upset. I'm so upset, right? I'm very upset is an intellectual exercise that doesn't help you at all. But going, oh, I'm so upset. It gets it out, right? Okay. Um, So if you find yourself saying things like, what's the point of talking about it? That won't change anything. Or, you know, other people have it so much worse than I do. I have no right to complain. Or if you talk about how, people might feel in your same situation rather than how you feel. You might be too much in your head 
and not enough in your heart. So when you're whether you're, you're trying to minimize your anger like Jasmine or you're trying to distract yourself from other feelings like sadness, helplessness, anxiety, fear, guilt, worry, shame, those emotions need your, emo your, your, need your attention. Oh, when will the Binge Cure Journal be published? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, it's being formatted right now. Uh, I would like, I would wish that it would be ready like next month, but definitely before the summer, I'm hoping May or June. So that's what I am, that's fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping for. By the way, if you are a member of my community and if you um, are on my email list, please know that you will be the first to get access to the Binge Cure Journal, uh, um, probably at a special price. Don't won't be buying it on Amazon. You can get it from me at a special discount. So if you're not a member of my community, um, go to my website, drninainc.com, D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C.com, and you can get your free Binge Buster Roadmap that I just released. I love it. I'm, I'm excited about it. Or if you're on Instagram, you can go to my link tree and sign up for it there. Or you can just shoot me a DM and say, hey, put me on your list. And I will. Um, okay. So whether you are, you know, when you think less, because what I just went through was with Jasmine was all of the ways that she's in her head and not being able to access how she feels. When you think less and feel more, you stop eating for comfort or distraction. By expressing yourself, getting out of your head, you will stay out of the fridge. So expressing the feelings. Let me just talk a little bit more about that. And actually, for those of you who have the binge cure, you know that on page 45 through 47, I have all those prompts to help you because um, how do you express it? If once you identify it, once you identify what you're feeling with the food mood formula, then how do you express it? Because uh, often if you're not used to expressing anything, on a scale of one to 10, annoyance might be a two or something like that. But if you're not used to expressing your feelings, but just being mad at yourself, then a two is going to feel like the intensity of a 10. That's why it's really hard to express it. It feels too much. So not only are you going to get used to expressing what you feel in words, I want you to think about uh, gauging the intensity of the feelings. So for example, um, I'll use, um, let me use anxiety. So anxiety, these are all forms of anxiety. They, and this might be news to you, but remember how I said earlier that there are six core emotions and beyond that, four real core emotions, mad, sad, glad, and afraid. So anxiety would be part of fear. Um, and within anxiety is I'm concerned. Right? That's pretty benign. But as you go up in intensity, so you might want to say to yourself, well, I'm, I'm really concerned about, you know, what's going on with climate change or, you know, whatever. And then, you know, I'm uneasy, a little bit more intense. I'm apprehensive about this situation. I'm dismayed. I have misgivings. I'm worried. I'm worried. Now, see how it's getting more intense? And you finish the sentence. I'm really worried about 
this, that, and the other. My caveat is do not make this about yourself, your weight, or food. The whole point of this exercise, um, of this three-part way, three-part way of, of dealing with your feelings, processing your feelings, identify with them with the food mood formula, um, express them, which is what I'm talking about now, and then respond to yourself by validating, acknowledging, and re- reassuring yourself. That is the uh, very, when a very, your response to yourself, very is something that I teach in my book. Um, and it is an acronym. I'm a great believer in acronyms. So uh, use the very. So first food mood formula, then express your emotions, then vary your response. It's a way of reassuring yourself. That's going to make all the difference. And at first, it's going to feel really weird and awkward. And the more that you do it, the easier it gets. Think about the first time you ever had to do anything new, whether it was go to the gym for the first time or start a new job or even have a baby. I remember coming home from the hospital with my daughter and I was just like, I can't believe they let me go go home with her. I I have no idea what I am doing. Well, you know, within a very short time, I, I knew what I was doing. First, I was I'm going to break her when I change her diaper, you know, but in time, you're like, done. <laughs> the thing about all the things that you have done, that might be a weird analogy, but you get my, you get my meaning that, that at first feels awkward. Maybe it's even like, maybe even it hurts. Like when you go to the gym and it, it feels almost awkward. It feels painful. You have to think all the time you're in your head going, okay, what do I do? Or learning an instrument. Think, think, think. What finger goes to what key or or what string or what? But in time, you just do it. So recognize there is a, a process to this. At first, it's going to feel awkward and weird. And then it's going to be second nature. Um, so I just want to finish just 30 seconds left. I just want to finish with anxiety as an example of how to gauge the intensity of, of a feeling. Um, so concerned, benign, uneasy, a little less benign, worried. Now you're getting more intense, alarmed, distressed, afraid, terrified. So if you're, if you're not allowing yourself to be anxious, um, and you just try to numb it with carbs and sedate yourself, concern might feel like terror. It might feel the same in your body. So you've got to get really used to finding new ways of, of registering that. No, no, I'm not, I'm not terrified. I'm actually concerned. Like really spend some time thinking about what is it that you're feeling and what is the intensity of that? Speak it, write it. Share it in a group. Join my food mood, Dr. Nina's food, food for thought community and share there. There are lots of ways that you can get it out of your, your, you and into, into a page, into other, other people there for you as, as listening to you, supporting you, encouraging you rather than you try to deny those feelings and turn them on yourself with binging. Okay, that is my show for today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dr. Nina Show, Outsmart Emotional Eating. I'm Dr. Nina Sabel Rocklin, psychoanalyst, here to help you create a binge-free, happy life. Or you can listen later whenever you get you know, a chance. 
on anywhere that you get podcasts. And for a deeper dive into today's topic and many others, again, check out my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating, available on Amazon, and the guided journal accompaniment to this book is coming soon. Bye for now. See you next week. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. The Dr. Nina Show is now on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Every Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. From the healing heart of Dr. Nina, Sabelle Rockland, comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. As she puts it, it's not what you're eating that's the real problem. It's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Thank you for joining the Dr. Nina Show, heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Dr. Nina next time for more diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Find out more about Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland at drninainc.com. That's D-R-N-I-N-A-I-N-C.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.